0: Good companies meet your expectations, but it's the truly great companies that defy your expectations and leave you saying, wow, which one do you want to be? Welcome to Working the Wow, where we believe providing an exceptional client experience is just as important as delivering a quality service or product. Join attorney and entrepreneur Judge Shaw on your journey from simply doing a good job to making them say, wow. Hey, everybody. I'm Judd Shaw, and welcome to the show. I have on today, Lee Kitchen. Hey, Lee.
1: What's up, Judd? How you doing?
0: I'm great. Thanks for coming on. For all of um, you listeners out there, Lee is a five-star innovation catalyst, culture change agent, design thinker trainer. During your 32 years at the Walt Disney Company, you created some of the most impactful marketing campaigns, some real memorable guest experiences. And now, post-Disney, you are the magical dude of the Magical Dude Consulting, (laughs) which serves companies uh, that are really hungry for innovation, internal creativity, fresh thinking. Lee, you're a creative guy.
1: (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Thanks for that great intro, too. I should, I should bring you along to all my gigs, man. That was perfect.
0: Right, right. So tell me, you know, Lee, let's get right to it. So tell me at Disney, for instance, you were, I read, the creative and innovation catalyst yep. at the Walt Disney Parks and Themes, working with a subspecial company called the Creative Inc., which is really a part of Disney, right? And you're called in yep. to solve the creative problems. Can you give us an example? What What is that?
1: It was, first of all, it was a really sexy gig. For 10 years, I got to travel the world. Sounds (laughs) sexy. Yeah, it was a great gig. I got to travel the world and basically bring creativity and innovation to all parts of the company. So we actually reported it up into Disney Parks and the marketing department there, but we went out into the world and to all of our other divisions who needed help with a project or needed their folks to get a common language around creativity. And we trained it, but then we also helped them come up with ideas. So I was lucky enough to work with, I went to Paris for 45 days to help uh, my uh, fellow marketing cast members in Disneyland Paris. I went to Hong Kong for three months. Oh, amazing time. Uh, I spent some time in Shanghai. I, I helped ABC News for a, a summer one year. It was it was incredible. Got to work on the movie Solo, the Lucasfilm folks. That was Amazing. But really it's a it's a transferable process that I'm an expert at. So design thinking has been around since about the 60s and we kind of customized it for Disney. And basically we went in and we were trainers of it. So we would teach people like, here's how you could possibly work more creatively together. And then we would also, like I said, we'd help them solve whatever challenge that they were having. So we were practitioners of it too
0: by nature, I find myself to be creative. I really enjoy creative problems. I I find them to be energizing, motivating, give me a wall and a whiteboard and some markers, and I'm just going at it, right? So what in, in your career there was one of these creative solution moments that really stand out in your career that you found to be just incredibly energizing for you, Passion?
1: We had a, uh, a couple things I'll say. Well, we had this one marketing campaign for a year that was called, what will you celebrate? And basically we had a lot of guest data that told us that people come to Disney world to celebrate moments, to celebrate occasions. And so we thought it would be a great idea to make sure that when people showed up for this, for this event, that they might get to win something as they come into the parks. And one of the top prizes that they could win was a night at Cinderella's castle now. That was crazy talk like 20 years ago or 25 years ago because we had binders and binders of the reasons why we couldn't have a suite inside Cinderella's castle. Like everybody told us how we shouldn't, couldn't, wouldn't do this thing, right? Well, one year we were like, hey, we need to really come up with something big. So we wanna turn this around and say, how could we actually do this? And we got the right minds together and we uh, used some creative problem solving exercise. And a year later, we've got a suite in the Cinderella Castle that is only available if you happen to win it. So pretty amazing thing that nobody said could be done. But you know what? If the idea is good enough, we can do it.
0: So how do you, I understand that you can train a team to think more creatively. How do you do that?
1: Well, first of all, you have to dispel the rumors that uh, not everybody is creative. So right. at, the, at the very beginning of those sessions, I ask people who who thinks they're creative and who doesn't. And it's really kind of sad because only maybe a quarter of the folks in the room raise their hand. And as I probe a little bit more, I find out that most of the time it's because they've been told they're not creative, right? Oh, there's a group of people, they do the creative. So let them do the creative thinking. But in actuality, every single role needs to figure use creativity to figure out challenges. And I'm here to tell you, my finance guy was he was the most creative person in the world when it came to September and we had to spend that money before the fiscal year in October, he got it done. It wasn't in his title, it was his title, you know, creative finance manager. No. It's just inherent. He was a definite a creative person. So I do that right off the bat, so I I help people understand that we're all um, we're all actually creative. You know, somehow we made it through college eating top ramen. Somehow we got dressed this morning, and our laundry might not have been done, and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I start there, but one of the things that um, that's important is kind of giving it a common language. So we define creativity and innovation in a certain way, and then and then we showcase different tools and also behaviors because you can have a great process. But if people aren't behaving the way, the way they need to, it'll all be for nothing. So we talk about some behaviors that are really, really important. And another thing I like to do is start from the top down. So we train the, the senior leaders first so they can support everybody else as they go through their, their creativity journey. And it's amazing because the, the main training that I do is actually two full days. And I get a lot of nice emails after going, I had no idea I was capable of this. Like I really pride myself in bringing people out of their creative shell who thought their whole life they weren't creative. That's actually the joy of my job when I get those emails and those notes and stuff.
0: Innovation is so important to companies that are either in a very crowded field, needs to be thinking outside the box, constantly challenged by competition. You really just staying ahead and really not only pushing the envelope in innovation, technology, processes and stuff, it's just so critical to operations. Yeah. And I wonder if a lot of people just talking to you think of creative as something that they yeah. that they make. <laughs> and as opposed to right and, and they think, well, that's that's gonna be the marketing department, that's gonna be illustrators, that's gonna be whatever. But you know, I give the example of there was a, a member of my team who came up with a certain spreadsheet because we were having a difficult Time tracking a certain data, and we wanted to make sure we didn't lose that data. So we yep. came up with this spreadsheet. This was about ten years ago, still being used today, right? Which is unbelievable. But the point of that is that was creative. That was innovation. That was that right? It it didn't it didn't it, it didn't result in a picture, a logo, a, a commercial, or pretty Absolutely. origami piece of paper. It was a spreadsheet. But that in itself was creative innovation.
1: Yeah, and actually, that's that's part of the definition of innovation. De- innovation is not just new and novel. It's also, it has to be adopted, right? So you can make the biggest adventure. You know, uh, Richard Branson at one time made a toaster bagel machine that also made coffee. So it was a bagel toaster and a coffee machine. No one bought it. So it was a great invention, but it wasn't really an innovation. Innovation has to be adopted. So just by making that spreadsheet and everybody adopting it, that was really a true innovation. Doesn't have to be uh, technologically based either, like you said.
0: When someone contacts the creative dude the magical dude right magical dude consulting what what are the what are the basic <laughs> projects what are people looking f- from 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 help from Lee Kitchen?
1: So a couple different things mostly they are calling me because they have a challenge and they need to rally a team of people to collaborate on solving that challenge So one of my specialties is bringing together different people from the organization to all rally around one cause and basically let's all create ideas together because in the end all those people that they're at the session are most likely going to help execute those ideas so let's get everybody together in a room to kind of create them together agree on them together and then move forward together so i would say that's the number one thing people contact me for i do a lot of workshops so a lot of times with that i'll come in and i'll i'll train them the day before and we'll we'll just do creativity training for to get ready for it. And what we'll do is we'll work on kind of a fake project. So I have everybody create a, a really good spin on a a new kind of movie theater. Right. And so we spend time outside of their realm so they could practice the tools that I talk about. And then the next day we use those same tools to come back and solve their challenge. It's a really successful formula. And again, I, I usually the, the feedback I get is I didn't know I was creative. Wow. That's one, but also we never thought we could get to this point because we were thinking about the challenge so narrowly. So. Uh, with creative problem solving, you use a lot of uh, what I call lateral thinking tools. So instead of going straight towards solving, you go on this abstract journey for a while. It's really weird. It's really uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And I do a couple of exercises that help people kind of stay in that realm. And then we bring it back around to use that strange abstract stuff to solve the challenge differently. That's kind of how we get to the uh, different results.
0: Beyond belief and confidence, w- what are some of these common bottlenecks? to creativity and innovation in your experience
1: well you heard me talk about common language right we, we all have a different way to express it and talk about it um that's definitely a bottleneck i see in organizations all the time i also see leadership mostly it's usually leadership blocking it and or not providing the correct environment to flourish it for example so in order for in order for ideas to flourish, you have to be comfortable to submit ideas, to talk about ideas and things like that. So right. those heavy leader based organizations where the, it always comes from the top down, it doesn't allow for the person, the the coordinator or the, the, the junior associate to really give their their thoughts. On the flip side, I work for one of my biggest clients is a, a company called Taco Bell. Have you ever heard of them? And the Taco Bell CEO, a guy named Mark King, he he believes that innovation comes from anywhere in the organization. So when he hosts uh, big sessions of big brainstorms, and I, do, I, I lead brainstorms for them, he invites people from the stores. So he actually has hourly employees come and join us, along with the folks in the office, the operations, the marketing, the food innovation team. And we together come up with ideas, because he thinks that the people closest to the product and closest to the customer are going to have the best ideas and it's absolutely true <laughs> right
0: so true you may know dear friend of mine and and a guy who i count on as my thought partner dan Cockerell. You, you ever heard the name
1: i do yeah dan and i work together a lot we actually have a yeah. uh, we have a um, creative creative and leadership uh, class that we teach workshop he's a great guy
0: yeah and dan talks about how when you, you know you're flying high as a leader and 10,000, 35,000 feet up, and you sometimes occasionally get back on the tarmac. And I think what the CEO of Taco Bell, what, what rings true, a lot of that comes from the front line right? And so I think this is a man who recognizes that if if they're the ones making the absolutely. tacos all the time, or they're the ones dealing with the customers all the time, they're the ones who sometimes have the greatest <laughs> feedback, the greatest, the things that lead to the greatest innovations are sometimes absolutely when you get down on that tarmac and you can really see what's going on on that front line. Yeah.
1: And if you, if you talk to, or if you, read about leaders that were pioneers in their field. Walt Disney said the same thing. He's like, I want an idea from an imagineer and I want one from the janitor equally. I I think everybody in the organization should do that. Uh, Richard Branson is also really big on making sure he gets input from everybody working at the company, which if you see those companies, their culture really jives together because people feel like their opinions being heard. And that's a, that's a big deal because in process improvement is can only come from discontent of somebody who's working in the process, right? So right. giving them a voice is, is really great. You mentioned something earlier that I wanted to um, give you feedback on. And that was, you talked about marketing people being really good at creativity. And what I always tell my groups is, I see that a lot too, because the marketing folks, they have to create ideas every day right so they're right they're what i call practice creatives and so what i tell mm. when i get together with with engineers and with coders and with accountants i say you are doing that too you just don't know it and then when i when i do this creativity thing and teach them they kind of realize oh yeah i've been doing this all along i just didn't even realize it so it's it's creativity is a muscle that you have to exercise right if if you don't use it you're not that great at it and i would say that even those who are great artists, like great guitar players, you know, Eddie Van Halen didn't didn't like wasn't born to be a great guitar player. He he got a lot of support and he practiced and he practiced and he became a really great guitar player, right? So creativity also a muscle that you have to practice. You have to get out there and you have to do something different and you have to do it differently the next week and the week after that.
0: <laughs> right. I spent this um a couple of days ago. I was in Arizona for this really great mastermind group. And, you know, a lot of things that were said over and over was what gets measured gets managed. Do you measure creativity yeah. and innovation? How do you measure it?
1: Absolutely. So, and it's usually with, with ideas that, are, that we create. So at the beginning of the process, we set out basically what we're trying to solve for. And we set a list of what I call success criteria. And when we that helps us not only determine, like, if we create a hundred ideas, we end up using two of them, and it's based on, hey, this they really cover what success means, and then we put it out into the world, right? The, there's a whole big process of prototyping uh, where you, you know, right. fail fast and 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 redo and things like that, and then once that's out, you measure it by the success of what and how people have adopted it, and, and usually it's really successful because if you use that process, because part of the design thinking process is empathy. So it's it's walking in your consumer shoes to uncover their needs before you go creating something for them, right? So the best businesses in the world, Apple's a great example, just getting the pulse of what a consumer needs before you serve up something for them, oh, it's so essential because you can make assumptions till you're blue in the face on what people want, but until you actually talk to them and talk to, and, and kind of understand how they go about the use of your product or the use of your service and things like that, You'll never really under, uh, like uncover that that core need that you're fulfilling, right? So most businesses I see that change that they, if they're fulfilling that core need, that that's when they're going to be successful.
0: Yeah. Now you know talking to you, it it makes a lot of sense. It's all connected. I understand now how you know that goes to the innovation of the product actually being used. If it's not, it's just a great idea, yeah. right? And <laughs> yeah. and and that can be done. What about ideas that fail? How do we deal with that?
1: I always teach, uh, there's no bad idea, just bad timing. So I tell people, keep a folder with those ideas because you never know when they might still be applicable. I'll tell you a, a funny thing. Um, my I, I worked with a guy named Duncan Wardle, amazing dude. He's actually does this, a similar thing as what I do. And Duncan and I were hot on one big idea that we thought was going to be, everyone was going to love, but it took him forever to love it, right? It was basically combining the Epcot Food and Wine Festival with an event that we had many years ago at Disney called Star Wars Weekends, and we were going to make the Star Wars Intergalactic Food and Wine Festival. And we would go pitch it to this Hollywood yeah. Studios mm-hmm. leadership, and they go, ah, you know, they'd him and haw, and then they wouldn't take it. Well, a year later, when the leadership changed, we marched right back in there and presented it like for the first time we ever presented it. Well, we didn't know that they were building Galaxy's Edge that was still top-secret information, so they were getting rid of, of Star Wars Weekends. But man, we pitched that probably six or seven times, and... Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and uh, like I said, if you put that idea away, the timing might work out. Uh, you know, another year later, another couple years later. So I say failure is important in that because you want to learn from that, but also don't don't discard them because there's something good there. And especially if a lot of people worked on it and it was collaborative, it just again it might not be the right timing for your consumer at the right moment or for your um, company to produce or something. But don't throw them away. <laughs>
0: Design thinking, right? As you mentioned in the the beginning, it's been around for quite a while, and I think it ties in very tightly with strategic thinking. Absolutely. I think they really go well hand in hand. Can you tell us more about design thinking?
1: Yes. So design thinking has been around since the 60s. It was originally founded by um, Alex Osborne and Sid Parnes. Alex Osborne is the O in BBDNO. And basically what their claim was is that it's harder to solve a problem when you are looking straight at it so they were the ones that kind of talked about Let's basically fool the mind by talking abstract for a little bit and let's bring that abstract journey back to the challenge that we're trying to solve and a couple of the tools that i use kind of still follow that same mentality so i use a tool that's called break the rules for example and i use the example of when disney was trying to improve the main entrance to the magic kingdom because it was such a crazy cluster to try to get through there they they we, we right. made them list all the rules, and, and the rules were you had to have turnstiles, you had to have cast members, you had to have custodial, you had to have a gift shop nearby, you had to have security, the,
0: right? The, the, the risk yeah. thing. Yeah. So,
1: so basically what we said is, what if there were no turnstiles? And that was an uncomfortable position to to talk about. What if there were no turnstiles? You know, the people like Dan, you know, Dan was the operations VP at the time. And he, he was like, no way. There's never going to be any.
0: Yeah, people charge. Never, <laughs> you know, there's
1: never not going to be a time that we don't have turnstiles, right? Well, we said, well, let's just imagine a world where we didn't have them. What could we have instead? And we did a big brainstorm and at the very end they said well we could have this wearable technology that you tap a certain place and the light turns green and you walk in and now if you go to Disney World there's no turnstiles to be found but we had to we had to imagine that world that didn't exist first and you know what that's for most companies that's a really uncomfortable place to be and that's basically my job is to get them outside of that place and pr- have them pretend that there's a new world that they're creating and then they create those those big ideas right
0: I was talking to somebody who, who's really into vision boards, right? Yep. And part of the conversation was, imagine yourself not having this job, right? Your current yep. situation, it, it goes away. The, it, either regulation or the, the industry is changed. You no longer have that job, right? Yep. What would you do? And the part of that is, is that I found that that exercise helped. Instead of the typical, where do you want yourself in one year, three years, five years, where do you see yourself? Oftentimes, we're going off our current situation. So we see ourselves in the current version of five years from today, but things could be very different, right? And so what they were suggesting is, and and perhaps using some design thinking strategy, right? Which is start with the three concepts, which is one, that job doesn't exist. What would you do? What would you do if there were no turnstiles, right? What would you do? What, what would you do and then what would you do if this job was the greatest job and lasted all five years yeah, in the current thing or right both sides and 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 that take on it starts to make you think a little differently because now you're being pulled into this abstract world of not Absolutely. thinking about judd currently in one year but all the all the available options to judd in one year
1: it's pretty great, it, and actually, I, I do I go one step further. I actually do two things. One is I have an exercise that's called "Ideas That Will Get You Fired," which is hilarious because
0: <laughs> people will people will go to great extent
1: you know, getting themselves fired. But I then what that. I do is I say, "Hey, there's a nugget in there of of good stuff. Let's turn it around and, and ideas that will get you hired, right?" And then another one I do is I have them brainstorm their comp- how to make their competition put them out of business. And then at the end, I'm basically, wow. well, there's a list of things that you need to do to beat your competition. <laughs> it's all about framing it right and, and getting people again right. to think differently i think i think one of the things that i i really stress at the beginning of any session with any company i do is you have to be all in and you have to trust the process i find that companies who don't won't trust the process throughout the way don't have the, as good as an outcome but if you can trust where we're going and the fact that we're actually going to get somewhere i find that the, those companies really get the the best results but it's it's a difficult process to trust because it does make people feel really uncomfortable. Now I'm not doing hippie trust, trust falls or holding hands or hugging or anything like that, but it's it's basically it's getting people to think differently, and that's that's kind of scary, right. right? It's it's kind of scary to think about not being in the same place a year from now, right? right. i say, you know what, uh, Judd, I'll tell you, that actually does, that's not just in business, that works in relationships too. I love that. And I'll give you a great example. Uh, my wife, we've been together for five years. right? And at the very beginning, we did like a vision, not a vision board, but we did a, wouldn't it be great if kind of list, uh, which is one of my vision tools that I that I use in business, right? And we have this list of 10 things on the refrigerator that was made five years ago. And we've right. actually checked off like seven of them. We just by envisioning that future, we have actually come to that future, which is pretty amazing. So it's it's really difficult to think about five years from now when you're putting it, like you said, in today's terms. But if you just put that aside, go, anything is possible. And you just write those things down. It's, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a fond believer in vision boards. And actually, I help one of the other things that I do is I help companies identify their common purpose. And so they can set what we call service standards. So in Disney, the service standards at Disney are safety show, courtesy, and efficiency. Well, I help other companies kind of come up with what their service standards are. So they can, they can be actionable and measurable, and they can basically put everybody through those standards in order to, to judge them in order to uh, give them raises and give them promotions and things like that. So I use a lot of that visioning style workshop exercises to help people kind of understand what's their why why are they do what they do right what what is their common purpose and and one of the things that i talk about is you can be uh off task and as long as you're on purpose so at disney the you know their common purpose is i bring happiness right i I create happiness and when you ask the cast member they're all going to say something i create magic i create joy they're really still on purpose when they say that but sometimes they might have to step away from the end of the line to create a magical moment for a guest. And maybe the line gets a little bit out of control for a second, but they have to come back. So they're technically off task, but they're still creating happiness for that guest that they happen to see kind of thing. So that's, that's also a difficult one is that everybody's so focused on keeping everybody on task. It's like, no, if we all have the common purpose together and we're all doing it together, it can work across departments, right? So good stuff.
0: Yeah, I love that. And 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 that's a a real good way to tie in core values too, the company's core values to those to that purpose, right? And and in a very creative way get some strong buy-in from your team.
1: Yeah, and it's it's not just something hanging on the wall. That's I mean, that's right. the first thing we go in uh, and tell companies is basically you you have to live this. You can't just look at right. it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's got to be actionable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I want to go back to that. I really love that is what you said in terms of you know, looking at an alternative way of doing something. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it's just such a great thing about, I, I never thought about that when the challenges or competition, right? And so in asking that question, I really, the framing of that, right? If I ask my team, what is something we can do to put us ahead of our competition right now, You'd have a lot of like, "Mm, um, hmm," right? But I think that if I asked the question (laughs) and said, what is somebody doing that can put us out of business, they would come out with that idea. Yeah. And it is the same question, but it's framed completely different. And it does draw on creative, innovative thinking because now you're starting to think, wait, whoa, I, I mean, I think we're already good, but wait, now- what about somebody putting us out of business? And, yeah. and that's a great way to ask that question and to generate some creative creative thoughts, some ideas.
1: Yeah. The, another thing I do with the exercise is I have them list all of the things that they do better than us and then all the things that they don't do as good as us. And and I basically have them take that negative list and I have them say, Well, what is it that we do better? And have them make that list so and what could we do better? And then all of a sudden they've got new ideas for for making us better and putting the competition out of business.
0: Right. And so through strategic thinking and design thinking questioning, you're creating creativity. You're yeah. creating innovation.
1: <laughs> yep. And and you're encouraging people to collaborate while they're doing it. I think that's one of the things that I hope that people take from every single thing that I do is you should not go it alone. And there are so many agencies, creative companies and things like that who hire these uh innately creative folks that have practiced creativity their whole life and then they work uh, in a silo. And it's just like it's I, I find that anytime you either pair up or you have a project team or you have a complete innovation project team and the, the people on the team are from diverse backgrounds and think differently and they have various level of tenure for the company, that's when the magic happens. I, I can't tell you how many sessions that people have asked me to conduct when they're only inviting the experts, for example. And I'm like, no, you should invite your brand new intern and you should invite the intern from the other department too. Like, you should have a broad base of people in the room and not just the experts because the experts will continue to think about their challenge this way. If you bring in these unbiased folks, they're the ones that are going to kind of infuse some different thinking in there. So, and it's been really successful when you get those that level of difference in the room, the ideas are pretty spectacular.
0: Boy, so, is that so true! I, I love watching it happen, right? When you have a frontline yeah. worker come. To leadership and say, I have an idea. That is when the magic happens.
1: Yeah, and then you combine it with those with the expertise of the people that they tell about the ideas. It's pretty amazing. Another thing, you know, you haven't asked me about this, Jeb, but I I, I want to say another thing because I'm very passionate about, it, and that is idea pitching. So another thing that I I try to show the case to people is how new ideas sound like garbage, no matter how great you think they are. Right, so. You have this great new idea in your head and you're ready to get it out and tell somebody and most likely all they hear is blah 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 blah, blah right they they don't hear it so as cleanly as you do and what what i find is that a lot of ideas fall off the, mm-hmm. the truck they fall off the vine whatever the metaphor you want to use they don't make it through that process because people didn't put the effort in to be able to really mm-hmm. bring that idea to life and I mean, Shark Tank is a great example, the ones that fail, the ones that don't do a really great presentation to bring it to life for those you know, right. four people that are judging, right? So I, I say to people, if you're going to commit to not only spending all this time to brainstorm, all this time to walk in your consumer shoes, and you, you are now going to pitch an idea to whoever's going to accept it, your leadership, your stockholders, whoever it is, you better pitch it like you mean it, and you better bring it to life for them so that they, they can totally see it clearly. And I'd say use metaphors, use examples of things that are relatively close that can really paint a picture of it. And it's funny because, again, I, I use ideas like Netflix. When Reed Hastings came up with the idea for Netflix, he went to present it to Blockbuster to sell it to. He presented it to him three times and they turned it down all three times because they just couldn't see past the end right. of their nose. And now That's they're true. not here, right? And then uh, if you think about—I I love the movie Bohemian Rhapsody—and when they were trying to basically tell the mu- music producer, who was played by right. Mike Myers, that that the song Bohemian Rhapsody was going to be the cover song, right. he said, "No way! There's it's no way that long. the radio station is going to play yeah, a seven-minute song. Yeah, yeah, no generation is going to even right. like it past this right. one. Why are you doing that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's—it's—it's yeah. it's, it's really hard to see your other people's vision, but if you—if you're pitching an idea, you better bring that bad boy to life, and you better make sure that people can understand so it. So true. That's, that's an important thing to me because man, I've, I've watched art directors just, they start out and they're like, well, this really isn't the best idea, but we, we wanted to make sure we presented you something. I'm like, what are you doing? We just worked two months and you just self-deprecated our idea, dude. There's
0: the show, there's the show playlist, which is on, I think it's on uh, Amazon prime, but it's, or, or Netflix, but it's about, uh, the starting of Spotify, you know, and they were bringing this to Sony and they're bringing this to oh, Sony nice. and everybody and they're like free music, get out of here. No way. This is never going to work.
1: Yeah, that's like I said, that's how all ideas sound sound to people. And one of the things I teach in my class is when somebody brings you an idea, you have to press the pause button on that judgment look. Because how many times has somebody told you an idea and you're like, what? What? That sounds really stupid. What the heck? If you're in a true collaborative environment, you really should instead of judging, you should you should remove that judgment and go, well, what else could we add to it? How else could we build to it? Yes, and this, yes, and that, that kind of thing.
0: Well, Lee, I, I would look forward to talking to you more about the uh, several uh, ideas I have and how to incorporate them in my team. How does anybody else get in touch with you, Lee?
1: So my website is magicaldude.com, and they can find me on LinkedIn at Lee Kitchen. I also have a, a monthly innovation show uh, on uh, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Libby XLT. It's uh first Friday of every month. It's at 1130 AM. Anyone's invited and we basically showcase Six, uh, six to ten innovations happening out in the world. We have a little bit of dialogue about it, and it's just to give you some inspiration. So there you have it.
0: That's cool, and I think you also have a jam session too, right?
1: I do. Yeah, every Friday nights I DJ uh, a virtual DJ party called Beats Party Magic. It's also on my Twitch channel. It's from nine to eleven PM. It's basically my creative outlet. So I've been a DJ since I was, you know, since I was eighteen, and uh, I stopped, you know, I stopped doing the whole wedding thing. Back in the early 2000s, but I never stopped loving music, so. During the pandemic, I need right? something to do and nobody could go out, so I, I started DJing a dance party on Friday nights and I just kept it. So What a
0: great <laughs> idea.
1: Have you Have you checked it out? Have you been before? You I'm going to.
0: I'm coming by the party Friday night. Okay. I'm coming by. Put me on the list.
1: Nice. And actually uh, a lot of people, a lot of the listeners that come, they basically put it on as a radio station where they're grilling or having a party That's or something awesome. like that. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. My wife is my chat moderator. She's amazing. She keeps everybody uh, talking in the chat and stuff like that and we usually we do some theme nights, so I've done. Uh, I basically, I transfer. I, I do a lot of mashups, uh-huh. and so you you will never hear a radio version of okay. any song, but yet I have some great house versions of you know Hotel oh, California, cool. and and I have some I have some you know match, mashups with uh, heavy metal and and dance music, and it's it's crazy. You never know. what You're gonna, you're gonna have get to
0: have a right Halloween now. one.
1: Oh, yeah, it's already in the As matter of fact, as soon as I'm done here, I'm I'm programming it into my OBS right now. So <laughs> that's this Friday,
0: actually. I, I, I look forward to it. Lee, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Really amazing. Some some great stuff there. And, and we're all creative. That's what we learned today. We are all creative. Indeed we are. Thanks, Lee, man. thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Okay, Judd, thank you.
0: If this episode made you say, wow, please leave us a review or send this to someone that needs to hear it. Ready to start creating unforgettable wow moments for your customers? Then subscribe to Working the Wow in your favorite podcast app and join the conversation on social media at Working the Wow. If you have topic suggestions or questions, please email us at wow at workingthewow.com and be sure to include a mailing address where we can wow you with some swag.